And in fact, um, there are many scenarios where there are very few medications for symptoms and really all of the emphasis is in stopping that vicious cycle of crisis after hours in other ways, whether uh, it be from a patient who's having confusion or needs extra care and it's just really hard for the family to sustain with things such as bathing, dressing, um, normal activities of daily living. So ultimately, um, there's a, a whole lot more that I think is not necessarily um, on the tip of our minds when we think about hospice care that's going on under the surface that can amplify living. Welcome to the With You at Every Step podcast. We address your healthcare questions and help you navigate life's challenges. Our guests share their expertise and real-world advice related to care for older adults, grief and healing, and pregnancy and parenting. Every Step is a nonprofit healthcare and human services organization offering dozens of programs that are there when people need us most. Learn more about our free and low-cost services at everystep.org. Thank you for listening. Here is our host, Polly Carver-Kim. Welcome to With You at Every Step. I'm Polly Carver-Kim, and our guest today is Dr. Tom Mosier, Chief Medical Officer for Every Step. And thanks for being on the show today, Dr. Mosier. Thanks for having me again. Dr. Mosier oversees uh, the hospice uh, care and well, all of our medical care at Every Step. And he's, how many years have you been with us? It's been a while. 11 years. 11 years. You've seen a lot. Um, Dr. Mosher is well-respected in the hospice field. And so I thought you'd be a good person to, to talk to about some of the myths that we see about hospice care. I think people have a varying varying ideas of what it is or what it's not. Um, so if you have an idea of some of those myths, any that you've come across, Let's go. Let's go for it. What have, what have you heard that is or is not true? Yeah, there's really quite a bit of things that um, that kind of circulate um, in misunderstandings um, and maybe assumptions about hospice that are actually incorrect. And so I think probably the biggest one being that when you elect for hospice, you'll have a shorter life expectancy, that you really need to wait until you're pretty close to end of life so that you don't miss out on time to live. And that's probably the, the biggest one um, that is uh, not only incorrect, but been shown over and over to, to be not true. When patients who have serious illness and chronic disease continue to be mismatched um, in the care they receive, when we attempt to, to stabilize and cure them, we oftentimes end up inadvertently causing more problems or harm. And so when we focus with aggressive symptom management and management aimed at disease management for better quality of life, we oftentimes achieve a side effect of longer time to live and better time through that longer time. So because hospice is not the cessation of medical care, that would be myth number two, that when you go on hospice, we stop all your medications, we put you on morphine, and let you coast. The reality, hospice is replacement of curative care with aggressive, evidence-based management of the disease in a way that makes sense for quality of life and comfort. And so in that, we still use 
medications and the medications that you've been on. So if you have heart failure and you have lung cancer, you're going to live better if we keep your heart failure managed while we treat the symptoms from the lung cancer. If you're a diabetic, we certainly want to continue to manage your blood sugars, but we have to take into account that your blood sugars are going to behave differently because of your illness. So ultimately, we continue to aggressively manage. Uh, myth number three is that the hospice team replaces the, the medical team that you have been relying on and trust and know. And the reality is hospice brings in an entire team to help support that primary team that you've identified to be the lead. So you, as the hospice patient, pick the doctor that you would like to be managing an overall and the first call with any uh, changes and or requests for new orders or medications, et cetera. That doctor then has the ability to ask for help and support from the hospice doctor or a litany of members of the hospice team, including but not limited to the hospice nurse, the hospice nurse aide, the spiritual care counselor, the social worker, and any of the other disciplines involved in the care. Um, so ultimately, it is not the replacement of anything. It is the amplification of what was there. And um, myth number three, then, is where that care takes place. Or myth number four, I guess, Ron. <laughs> myth number four being a lot of people think of hospice as a destination. They say, I'm not ready to go to the hospice house yet. I want to live in my home. And the entire reason hospice, the hospice benefit was developed was so that people could receive that care in their home setting. So it is very infrequent that someone would need to go to a hospice house. That situation would come to evolve based on the need for escalation of symptom management and or maybe lack of safety or caregiving in a home so that um, they needed to escalate to a higher level of care. But the reality is most everyone receives all of that care in their home, which helps then them stay at home. Um, and knowing that everyone uh, typically agrees that there is no place like home, it is much more advantageous to receive aggressive medical care in your home as opposed to in a hospital bed or um, somewhere else. Um, so um, ultimately, hospice is growth of the medical care, amplification of the medical services, oftentimes fits the situation much better. Well, everyone who has dealt with a serious illness or chronic disease recognizes that there is a revolving door a lot of times between their home and the ER and the floor at the hospital. Sometimes nursing homes are involved. And so hospice um, oftentimes can stop that cycle and prevent the need for escalation to the ER in the first place because there is availability after hours. Our current medical system really doesn't have that outside of the ER or the urgent care. So many times people are left without a critical lifeline when something changes or when a symptom flares. Hospice can uh, help bring services in place that would prevent 
them from being left alone after hours where they can literally call and have a nurse come out to the home, a nurse call a hospice provider or call their doctor, um, whoever um, has been arranged to be available after hours to support them. That's one of the things that I encounter time after time when I talk with families of hospice patients is that that after hours, middle of the night phone call of, you know, something's happening, I'm not sure what it is, and the nurse comes out. That, that That's just, you don't get that uh, normally, and that is a very important part of uh, giving peace of mind to these families. I also wanted Absolutely. to ask... I also wanted to go back a little bit to uh, where hospice is provided. Um, and when you say provided in the home, that doesn't necessarily mean a, you know, two-story home, <laughs> you know, in the suburbs. It can be in a nursing home or in an apartment or wherever that person calls home, right? Correct. It would probably be most correct to say wherever that patient calls home or wherever that patient is living. So if it's in an assisted living um, unit, or if it's in a nursing home, in a dementia unit, um, or um, wherever they are living, hospice can come in and provide those services. I also wanted to go back a little bit to the very first point that you had about uh, the medications that are provided uh, to ease symptoms. And my own personal myth that has been dispelled now is that uh, when you go in hospice care, uh, you know, they give you morphine and you're just kind of out of it and you lay there and don't have any interaction with anybody. Uh, And that's certainly not the case. Uh, You know, not just uh, anesthetized to the point where you can't... uh, converse, the whole point is making you comfortable, but able to have visitors and see your loved ones. Yeah, absolutely. And the hospice team, uh, both uh, the hospice doctors, but also the nurses, is extremely experienced in safe management of um, pain and, and and some of those meds that could lead to sedation. And so ultimately for patients who have pain or would be expected to encounter pain because of their illness, the evidence shows that people are often able to live at a higher level of function with better expertise and management. So we could oftentimes use meds more effectively in lower doses and oftentimes in safer prescribing, just because of the experience we have in that realm. But it is also true that many, many diagnoses that people present with don't have any pain um, and need for opioids or morphine um, anywhere in their journey. So not every patient who is dying is going to need an opioid. And in fact, Um, There are many scenarios where there are very few medications for symptoms, and really all of the emphasis is in stopping that vicious cycle of crisis after hours in other ways, whether uh, it be from a patient who's having confusion or needs extra care, and it's just really hard for the family to sustain with things such as bathing, dressing, Um, normal activities of daily living. So ultimately, um, there's a a whole lot more that I think is not necessarily um, on the tip of our minds when we think about hospice care that's going on under the surface that can amplify living. 
And that kind of goes also to the point that hospice care is as much for the loved ones, the family, the caregiver, as it is for the patient themselves, that you're easing a lot of the burden that was on them, excuse on them. Yeah, I, this week alone, I've sat with numerous uh, patients and families and heard from the patient how much relief they have, that they feel like their family can be offloaded from that burden. And certainly we hear from families frequently. I wish we would have known about this sooner because this is meeting a need in a way that we, we've needed it met for a long time. Um, and overall, we are just feeling at such peace knowing that um, there, our loved one is taken care of, and that some of those things that we were um, feeling overwhelmed with are now offloaded from our shoulders. Yeah, I've spoken to families too uh, when I'm just interviewing them for uh, some of our uh, impact stories, where they, you know, they were um, they were doing heavy lifting in a very literal sense of you know bathing and and other toiletry um, duties and they felt terrible about it because they felt like their loved one was embarrassed because they were having to help them do these things. And it was physically demanding. And um, just having that extra set of hands or that, that caring person uh, to do that for you is just such a weight off their shoulders. Yeah. Whenever somebody who doesn't have healthcare training and maybe doesn't know the right tools to use or have access to the right equipment is attempting to do things um, on their own. It can result in a lot of stress, but also can re result in a lot of safety issues, not only for the patient, but for that caregiver as well with injury. And so ultimately bringing in a highly trained team who can then provide for the durable medical equipment to safely do something and has the know-how and how to do that uh, efficiently and safe, safely can be a game changer. Just really quickly, um, talk a little bit about respite care, since we're talking for uh, about caregivers and the help that can be provided. I know every step offers respite care, but I imagine a lot of care organizations do. And that's another opportunity for caregivers to, you know, have a little break, uh, you know, so to speak. Yeah. When Medicare developed the hospice benefit back in 1978, one of the things that they built into it was the opportunity to receive episodic stents of five days of respite care for family members for any reason. And the reason really could be as simple as we need a break and it also could could uh, revolve around, boy, we've had a, something occur and I can't provide care here for a period of time. The benefit allows for five days in a nursing facility uh, and or if there's availability in a hospice house and Medicare then will pay for that for that five day um, room and board um, for that period. So ultimately that's a, a huge thing that families oftentimes, um, I would say underutilize in hospice um, when they just need a little bit of a reprieve or um, a break for any reason. That is that is great information because uh, I can imagine that uh, it, it's and I'm sure they feel guilty. You know, I shouldn't be taking a break, but they'll be at that, that their best selves to provide care and love to their loved one. A little bit of self care. Yes. 
Dr. Mosher, thank you again. This is great information. Uh, and we appreciate your expertise and for being on the show again today. If you I'm have super any happy questions, to participate. We're always glad to have you. Um, if you have any questions, you want more information about hospice care or have any questions about what we talked about today, you can uh, go to everystep.org slash care, C-A-R-E. That's everystep.org slash care. And you'll just fill out a little online form, uh, submit it, and uh, someone will con- contact you to go through your questions or concerns and get you in touch with the right person. So thanks again. That is With You at Every Step, and I'm Polly Carver-Kim.